Dotnet Rocks episode 760 with guest Ricky Leakes. Recorded live Wednesday, April 18th, 2012. This episode is brought to you by Telerik and by Franklins.net, training developers to work smarter. And now offering Gesture Pack, a powerful gesture recording and recognition system for Microsoft Connect for Windows developers. Details at gesturepak.com. And now here are Carl and Richard. Thank you very much. Welcome back to .NET Rocks. It's Carl and Richard, and we're here. Springtime is here in the North American continent. What's up, Mr. Campbell? Spring has sprung, the grass is riz, I wonders where the birdies is. <laughs> Jeez, that's how we're starting. <laughs> what? But it's Vancouver Tech Fest, right? I've got a code camp on my mind. Yeah. April 28th, VancouverTechFest.com, and uh, the keynote will be given by none other than Scott Guthrie. Scott Guthrie coming across the border, coming to a strange and foreign land. That's very cool. Yeah, I'm very excited about it. So, I'll be there. You won't be there. I think you've no. got real work to do. Well, Scott Guthrie doesn't come to New London, so. No, but he, <laughs> he will come to Vancouver. So, if you'd like to see him, uh, drop by uh, VancouverTechFest.com. I think tickets are $50. Yeah. So, and you get lunch and beer. It's a deal. Awesome. So that's what I'm working on. All right. Well, let's just get started with Better Know Framework. All right. All right, my friend, what do you got? Well, in honor of the topic today, mm-hmm. memory management, I went spelunking down in system.runtime.interop services and found a way to allocate and deallocate unmanaged memory. Wow. Are we actually doing a .NET framework topic on Better Know Framework? I know. I'm excited. It's crazy. I yeah, know. Yeah. But bear with me. Okay. I mean, so this will get our guests hackles up, I'm sure. <laughs> However, Global mm-hmm. allocates memory from the unmanaged memory of the process by using the specified number of bytes. Oh. And then you have to, of course, Global. And you pass the handle that gets returned from alloc h global. This is memory management at its rawest, purest form yeah. in .NET, and it's not advised. No, that, you do not poke outside of managed memory. Don't live there. That's Don't bad. peek and poke. Don't peek and poke. This is what we're saying. No poking. So I'm sure we're gonna. I'm sure that'll that'll get the conversation started. I'm sure, Richard. Oh, I bet. Yeah, no question. And if you're interested in that, it's at tinyurl.com slash unmanagedmem. Who's talking to us, Richard? I grabbed a comment off of a very recent show, show 752, which was the future of the web at the Prairie DevCon. And I, yeah. you know what? One of the things I love about conference seasons, we get to have these panel discussions. And this one was just sort of a surprise, wasn't it? It was awesome. Yeah. You never, we, we had an idea of where we wanted to go, didn't go anywhere near there. We just went off in into our own land. It was a really cool conversation. I think that's the best part about panels. You never know where you it's going to go. And you know what? The cool thing is, is we've done that topic before, but you know, people's ideas about the future change over time. So it's great to come back and revisit those. Sure. I think it, it it's very reasonable to revisit it on a routine basis. Yeah. But I uh, saw so I grabbed one of the comments here from Dino Gambone, who says, uh, great episode, Richard and Carl. There are two things I'd like to comment on. I personally agree that Microsoft developers need the, quote, rise of the polyglot web developer, close quote, and I think James Kovacs said that. Yeah. As a senior manager and developer in a Microsoft-centric development shop, I interview some of the many potential web developers that are tied to Microsoft technologies. We deal with web services, which are REST-based. When I ask them about how they would implement it, these candidates talk about using WCF. Of course they do. When I ask why, they say that's how it works with so many different types of clients like TCPIP, MSMQ, remoting, and so forth. But that's not what we need in this solution. The problem is simple, well-defined, and handled by HTTP. Why add all that overhead? And their answer is, because that's what Microsoft uses. (laughs) I blame Microsoft in this regard as it markets and pushes these technologies as pioneering solutions, when in fact they are wrappers and abstraction layers around other established technologies. I often tell these candidates they should play with non-Microsoft technologies because you will find there are multiple approaches to the same problem and that it would make them better developers and problem solvers. So regards to the future of the web, the web by its very nature is a beautifully tangled mess of connected servers talking to each other in so many different ways. The future of the web isn't something new and exciting. It's embracing what we have now even more. 
You see it in how companies are developing services that are easily consumed without complex SOAP-based APIs or expensive licensing fees. And you see it in the semantic HTML movement, which helps define what external links and resources are relevant to a document. And you see it in the services being offered through some of the many people through so many different clients like web and desktop and mobile. The future of the web is in the past, with developers realizing the HTTP protocol not only makes sense, but is extremely powerful if you just understand it. Mm. Thanks for all the work you do. Keep it up. And when I first read this, I thought of a William Gibson quote, which was, the future is here. It's just unevenly distributed. Mm. (laughs) You know, there's folks that are down in the plumbing that have been doing some great things, really understanding these low-level protocols. And yeah, their stuff's sort of ascendant again. Mm. And uh, if we're aware of that, that's a good thing. I remember, you know, Microsoft did a lot of work for us to get us into the web because they came to it late and brought their developers along late too. And web forms was really a way to get WinForms developer working on the web. Well, and what they really did was they made it easy for people who don't want to deal with bits and bytes. And- right. Well, if you were thinking in a WinForms way, the web baffled you. Right. So, you know, Microsoft built a path and that path has obviously evolved. And we've done shows about this, how MVC now was much closer to the metal yep. in terms of thinking web. And, I think Dino's just encouraging more and more of that. WCF has some great strengths to it, but it's not the be-all and end-all of anything. Sure. And if you don't understand what's going on under the hood, you're fooling yourself. That's the point. That's the more important thing is use it because you know why that abstraction really helps you. Don't fall back on the old adage of, you know, what anything Microsoft is automatically good. They used to say that about IBM. That's right. Nobody ever got fired for buying IBM. Nobody ever got fired by using Microsoft Stack. It's just not as true anymore. I think we expect more from developers. They need to understand what's going on under the hood so they know why they're using the tools they're using. Uh, And I totally buy into that. So, Dino, thank you. Thank you for your comment. And we'll be sending out a .NET Rocks mug to you. And if you would like one, just write a comment on the website at .NET Rocks.com. And one way that you can learn about the the fuzzy details of what's going on under the hood is to go to a conference like NDC, the Mm -hmm. Norwegian Developers Conference, where Richard and I are going to be this summer. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, you know, Norway is a gas. Oslo is an amazing place. Such a great bunch of developers. Some of the best hallway conversations you'll ever have. Absolutely. NDC is also the place where they have the super room, the, the ADD room, the room where there's a screen for every single session going on. And you wear these headphones with a switch. Yeah. So you could switch between the audio for each. So I've watched all seven sessions simultaneously. It's very cool. And I've never seen it done anywhere else. No, but the, it's anyway, amazing. it's June 6th through 8th in Oslo, Norway. And uh, we're going to be there. At Last year, they had more than 1,500 people. Uh, it's growing. It's becoming huge. And uh, Scott Guthrie was there last year, too. Mm-hmm. Speaking of Scott Guthrie. So check it all out and ndcoslo.com. And before we introduce Ricky, I need to tell you that Pluralsight offers comprehensive developer training online. They have over 250 hardcore developer training courses authored by MVPs and industry experts such as those who appear on our show. They release 12 to 15 new courses every month. And they have a free 10-day trial, giving you 200 minutes of access to their vast video library. Pluralsight offers a wide range of developer training courses, including coverage of iOS, Java, Android, web development, and pretty much anything you can think of on the Microsoft stack. Try Pluralsight today. Subscription plans start at just $29 a month. Now, this hour, you're going to be subject to endless puns about vegetables. (laughs) take a leak for example yeah ricky leaks has been a dotnet evangelist for as long as he can remember as a memory management expert and vegetable his interests are a curious cross-section of development and horticulture dotnet troubleshooting and extreme gardening Ricky is constantly speaking to the developer community about how to improve their application performance and reduce memory consumption. He advocates a deeper understanding of the .NET framework as the best way to take your code to the next level and works closely with expert authors to develop great training material for the .NET community. Welcome, Mr. Leakes. Well, that was a very nice introduction. I I rather enjoyed that. Uh, (laughs) As a vegetable, I don't sort of 
obviously I don't get out much, but uh, it's very nice to hear compliments. Um, certainly. Yeah. Well, hello, you know, Carl. Sorry, hello, Richard. Yeah, we're well. That's great. Um, I I find you tasty, especially with um, potatoes in a soup. Ah, oh, no, no, that this is t- typical vegism. It's um, <laughs> I come across this. <laughs> I come across this a lot in IT. You know, I mean. <laughs> I've never been accused of vegism before. Oh, I get it the whole time. Oh, you know, I bet being, you do. Being a leak in IT is is it occasionally uh, sort of difficult. You know, I yeah. mean, you get you get this sort of attitude coming across. You know, vegetables aren't known for their thinking skills. <laughs> right. Know, sort of thing. <laughs> I can tell you, I've got a lot to prove. <laughs> yeah. How how did a leak like you get into IT in the first place? Um. With with a with a lot of difficulty. I mean, can you imagine? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> interviews are the worst. You know, I I don't try and pretend. You know, and I go into an interview, and 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 they and they really you you can you can detect the embarrassment. You know, they don't want to ask direct questions because they don't want to be thought of as veggies. I mean, who does? <laughs> you know, so, <laughs> so they uh, they sort of tend to sort of probe in an indirect way, like they say, you know. What's your um, attitude to compost? You know, and that sort of thing. <laughs> so I always pretend I don't understand. You know, I say, "What? You know, what's all this compost thing? Is it something to do with sort of garbage collection in .net or something?" Oh. You know? <laughs> and of course, you, you know, have you ever thought? Have you ever thought about you know promotion prospects for a vegetable in IT? You know, you get you get all these patronising remarks like, um, "Yes, well, of course, you know." Very delicious in soups, but not not likely to be promoted to a supervisory role. You uh, know, it's very frustrating. Yeah, I bet. And I bet the thought of garbage collection just sends shivers down your uh, your stock. I love garbage collection. Really? Yeah, oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Um, it uh, it sort of you know all that talk about GC roots. You know, it it, it does something. All all my ancestors, of course, have been interested in gar- in, in in garbage collection. Is that sort of a strange fascination, like like the way we're fascinated with horror films, perhaps? It's well, it, it's partly that. It's partly due to, and uh, I think it's called nominal determinism. You know, uh. if you've got a name like Leaks. You're you're going to be interested in sort of um, memory leaks. I mean, yeah. uh, you know, it's like you know, um, if you've got a name like sort of um, Batty, you know, you're going to be a, a psychiatrist. So 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 we <laughs> tend to sort of. <laughs> so you honestly, felt compelled. Honestly, there, there are there are uh, psych, uh, psychiatrists. There's a, there was an eminent psychiatrist called Doctor Batty, and another one called Doctor Nutter. Mm. They must have suffered. They must but of have. Course, uh, like we do, of course, you know. But I think what you're saying is that with a name like Ricky Leaks, you just felt compelled toward garbage collection because of that. So what? what what's yeah. different about memory allocation in .NET? What's what? What can we revisit the whole idea of managed memory, managed code? Well, well, yes, of course. Um, as sort of memory has been a sort of uh, fascination for for all my ancestors. Um, yeah, you know when I was when I was a young seedling, of course. You know I heard stories about <laughs> malloc and free for right. memory management. I mean, it sort of it's probably even before your time. Uh, oh, oh, talking of time, it, uh, it, uh, it, it's terrible for an annual in uh, in IT. <laughs> have you ever thought of that? You know that <laughs> can't say that I have. Sorry. The memory generations are just too slow. Well, you know, you know, you've heard of doggy years. I have. What about leaky years? You yeah. Know, I live, I live 70, 70 years for every one of your human years. Mm. You know, this means that every day is like two months for me. Yeah. Well, you grow very fast, kind of like a memory leak. Yeah. Yeah. But 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 <laughs> can can you imagine the problem in PowerPoint presentations? You know, they last yeah. three days. You know, it's torture <laughs> after an hour for you, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> there, are, there are advantages, um, like, like for example, Silverlight. Knowing about Silverlight, it gives me a job for a whole lifetime. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's wonderful. <laughs> uh, where were we? We were oh, Malik and Free. I, I suppose we should. I, I suppose we should talk about content here somewhere. 
<laughs> oh, we, we, we said, of course, Malak and Free. Oh, yes. Now, the old days of Malak and Free. Now, there were all sorts of things that could go wrong. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, oh, like, you know, if you, if, if you Malak a buffer of a certain size and then you write more than that certain size, you know, what's going to happen? You've no idea because you're, you're executing data, probably, you know. Right. And, <laughs> uh, you know, a program would sort of go wild. And, of course, Basically, having to free everything uh, after after you finished with it. I mean, did, did an, an application ever do that I, for I, everything they'd ever malloced? Yeah, um, that's good. Jeez, it it never happened. Boggles you know? the uh, mind. Yeah, yeah. And um, so uh, when when that came along, um, and it and, and it was managed, and you just didn't have to worry about that sort of thing. It it was. It was great, you mm. know, and uh, I, st- I still think it's 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 the the main advantage of of writing for net is the fact that you no longer have to worry about ex- explicit uh, memory allocation and deallocation. Yes. Well, now there were people saying back in the very early days of .NET that they wanted garbage collection because they were so used to it. Like it took, I remember it, it took Chris Sells a long time to sort of say, okay, I give up. The memory manager can do a good job, a better job than I can. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it does. Um, I mean, you, you, you can hit problems, but um, the way that uh, garbage collection uh, works, it, it it looks after everything for you. Um, and, well, as long as you you uh, in your application, you're doing things that um, are sort of conventional. You know, as long as you're not doing crazy stuff, because right. um, there are always going to be programs that can't be managed. Well, you know, the probably the biggest problem, being serious here, is when the garbage collector does kick in and collects and you've got a lot of memory and you've got a lot of things that are happening, uh, you know, asynchronously, a lot of threads going on, a lot of things happening, especially if any of them are visual, like visually representative, then you will see a, a hiccup, a pause. And that's about, you know, that, that to me is the only downside. It's like 99.99999% bliss. And then that 0.0001% of the time, it can just be pure agony. Yes, yes, but there's, there's an awful lot that you you can do uh, to prevent that sort of um, hiccup happening, and when that hiccup happens, it means that the garbage collector is is struggling, and there'll be reasons why it's struggling, and there are uh, ways you can fine tune applications to make sure that doesn't happen. Now, does this still? It seems to me that we were talking a lot about memory management and garbage collection before the advent of 64-bit operating systems. But when that happened and people had, you know, gigs and gigs of RAM, um, it, those conversations just sort of died down. And probably, uh, I imagine, because we still had memory leaks, but we just didn't care. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, but you're, you're still going to get problems in the end because what what's happening is you're you're going to sort of well it's not exactly leaks but you're going to uh, grab more and more memory and the uh, the garbage collector is going to be uh, very accommodating yeah. and get more and more memory but what what's happening is that um all that stuff that you still have that can't be collected is being paged out to disk Right, and uh, it's going to thrash to disk. So mm. there's always going to be a come a time when your application is going to be struggling. Right. There really isn't an, an alternative to being a good citizen. Right. In .NET. It's just with more memory, you're prolonging that day, but the day will come. Yeah, absolutely right. You can't get over foolishness. Yeah, that's true. Uh, just by adding memory, you know, adding iron in general. You can just prolong it. So how do I know that I'm in trouble? How can I tell? Is there something I can do very easily while my app is running to, you know, just look, can I look at the task manager and see, oh, that's increasing and not decreasing ever? Um, yeah, it can be difficult. Um, I mean, 
probably the best thing is if your application actually crashes when it runs out of memory entirely. But um, you can get it. Um, you can tell quite a lot using WinDebug or the Task Manager. Uh, but it's using those, it's not always possible to find out the source of the problem. Uh, for that, you really need a, a program because that's going to show you which code's hogging memory and um, it's going to give you a pretty good hint as to where you actually have your uh, memory leak. A profiler. Yes, that's right. Yeah. yeah. This portion of .NET Rocks is brought to you by Telerik Just Decompile. Recent developments in the .NET world have opened up a niche for a free .NET decompiling tool. If you, like so many other developers, have been looking for an alternative .NET decompiler, you'll most certainly welcome the launch of Just Decompile, a powerful tool which promises to stay free forever. Currently in beta, Just Decompile offers effortless .NET decompiling and assembly browsing, innovative code analysis and navigation, side-by-side -side assembly loading, auto-updating, and better decompiling accuracy. A product by leading .NET vendor Telerik, just Decompile has an aggressive release schedule and a roadmap based on community feedback. You can visit the Just Decompile feature suggestion forum to let Telerik know what features you'd like to see added to Just Decompile or vote for one suggested by your peers. The official version launch is expected this summer, 2011. Go to telerik.com slash .NET decompiling and remember to thank them for supporting .NET Rocks. So how does the garbage collector know when it can collect objects? Well, the garbage collector, um, uh, th now this takes quite a bit of getting used to, but the garbage collector can choose when it's going to collect. And, and it, it, so it could actually kick in at any time. Uh, it'll search through um, the GC routes. Um, you know, that that's a object references, CPU registers, object finalization references, or whatever. And it'll find out, it'll use those to find out what uh, objects are no longer being used. Mm. And then it marks them. Um, marks them for death. Well, it, it, it's actually the other way around. It marks those ones that are in use, and everything that hasn't got a mark dies. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Which is rather nice. Um, <laughs> Thrown onto the compost heap. Uh, that's right. You can see why leaks get involved. In this I sort get of thing. it. <laughs> 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 now, you don't have to tell the um, the garbage collector you've just finished using an object. Uh, it can work all that out for itself. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now the garbage collector it can kick in periodically and it can be triggered by anything like um, a low memory notification or the fact that a a generation of the small object heap has reached its its limit. Mm -hmm. um, in other words, it will just work uh, when uh, the resource threshold is breached. You know, when it's uh, it, it's finding that um, the memory it can allocate is getting a bit low. And it does this um, from what I remember, and it's been a while, so bear with me. Um, from what I remember, first it uh, deletes those first generation objects and but it does all these on a generations yeah i know i hit yeah. the buzzword but uh but it but it cleans these up on a low priority background thread isn't that right calls your finalizers essentially if the if there are finalizers um it's a, yeah you're more or less right yes the you, you see most of the time you're um in an application you're um creating objects and um, very quickly, you're um, d dispensing with them, and uh, they're being collected by the garbage collector. So you can be doing a lot of work very rapidly, and um, that's the way that the garbage collector likes to work. And um, all those um, objects that are being created, they go on the small object heap generally and um, uh, they start off on generation zero as you mentioned yeah yeah and occasionally the garbage collector as you said makes a sweep through it and anything that's has finished it just gets rid of it and the rest it promotes to the next generation generation one 
Now, the priority, though, is for objects that don't have finalizers. And usually, your object would have a finalizer if you're using some sort of non-managed resource, like you're keeping a handle open. Isn't, isn't that right? That's right. Well, it's, it's not very often that you'll be using, uh, that you need to use um, finalizers on an object. And uh, if the um, garbage collector detects that there is a, a finalizer, it doesn't actually um, collect the object. What it does is to just sort of like make a note of the fact that um, uh, this is an object that needs finalizing, and it puts it in a finalization queue, uh, the F-reachable queue. And because it puts a reference on the queue, it can't um, collect it. And then another background thread comes along, and it works its way down the finalization queue and calls the finalization process. So it's, um, I like to explain it. It's like sort of, um, you know, it's like the perfect mother that tidies your bedroom for you. You know, it's just all done in, you know, it's all, it's all just done in background. You just don't have to worry about it. The, the reason for all this queuing is that finalization can take quite a while. And right. as you said earlier on, you just don't want that sort of pause in uh, your user interface right. to happen. Right. And this is a way of avoiding, uh, avoiding that. But it does mean that if you've got a lot of finalizable objects, you, you don't, um, you know, you want to uh, reduce the number of um, finalizable objects you've got around. Right. And the, and again, those typically tend to be unmanaged or com objects or, or handles, window handles, that kind of thing. Yes. Yes. It's, it's objects that have sort of got uh, references to them, you know, that, that need finalization. But it's, it's rare in the average application to have yeah. much of that. I think it's rare these days now. I mean, we've had less and less problems with memory management because we're doing less interop and we have a heck of a lot more memory. And and so, you know, generations tend to be larger. I certainly run into the issue on the ASP.NET side of things where when you're doing load testing and you start out a web server cold, the generations are too small and your your load tests are incredibly erratic because memory is growing very rapidly with those multi-generations to try and get to the sort of ambient size that a web server actually running under load is going to want. Yes, and, and, and web applications also have that problem because uh, of of the caching, which again is, is um, in managed memory. Right. And that tends to last a long time. Now, um, uh, that tends to go onto the dreaded uh, uh, generation two. Yes. Um, well, that and session objects, in-process session objects, spawn of evil, yeah. <laughs> living in right. gen two. Yeah. Uh. yeah, yeah, I know exactly what you mean. You know. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a big I'm, kitchen knife. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> you know you're in the soup then, you know. Yeah, you're really in the soup. <laughs> yeah, um, because, uh, I mean, uh, uh, Generation 2, um, if, if an object's reached Generation 2, uh, it, it, it's, it takes a lot more work to, uh, to, to, to collect it. Mm-hmm. To clean it up, to manipulate it, everything gets bad at this point. So the less stuff you have over there, the better off you are. Uh, that's right. And unfortunately, um, uh, with any web application, because you tend to be doing a lot of caching, you're, you're, uh, you tend to run into more difficulties. But of course, the um, with um, you know server-based. Um, garbage collection it's using different heuristics and it's and it's much more aggressive yeah um, it also tends towards the large object heap rather than the small heap too especially you talk about session and cache because they're they're just big blobs of objects typically yeah very good well richard guess what time it is <sighs> must be that happy time again it's that happy time to <laughs> give away a couple of prizes here for to uh to members of the dotnet rocks fan club the winner of today's Telerik Ultimate Collection is Mark Boyle. Woohoo! Congratulations, Mark. Congratulations, Mark. Golf clap for you. $2,000 worth of Telerik software. 
That's actually a $7,000 value, but the cost of it as a product is $2,000. And uh, also, uh, we're giving away a pass to DevTeach in Vancouver, Uh, which is going to be coming up here May 28th. Yep. DevTeach.com, a free pass, goes to Jacob Gade. Jacob, congratulations. We're also throwing in for folks who win the pass to DevTeach, you get to come to the speaker's dinner, which is at my place. So, you know, I'm out here, you'll come with us, and uh, we'll have a good time. We're still working on exactly what food there will be, but there will be plenty. And if you don't know what we're talking about, we are giving away prizes to members of the .NET Rocks fan club. If you want to join the fan club, it's free. Just go to .netrocks.com, click on the big Get Free Stuff button in the upper right-hand corner, answer a few questions, and uh, every week you could win something good, including once a year we're giving away $5,000 worth of gear. And we don't know what it'll be. We'll we'll find out when we get closer to December. But Mm -hmm. uh, it'll be handpicked by Richard and myself. It'll be good. It'll be awesome. We really haven't talked about this yet, but the the rules of the large object heat are quite different. Well, let's talk about the differences between the large object heap, the small object heap, the stack, these little memory areas that uh, people, you know, the the computer scientists among us like to throw in our face. Hey, I just want to build a screen for my boss. What are you talking about? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, uh, the large object uh, heap. Oh, dear, oh, dear, oh, dear. Uh, yeah, the, um, uh, the, this this is for um, well, um, everybody says it's for for objects over eighty five k, but it's a little bit more complicated because cause, cause large arrays, uh, when they uh, reach a, a particular size, will go into the large object heap. And when you um, talk, when you say arrays, do you also mean anything that's collection based or specifically arrays? Uh, arrays in this case, yeah. Um, and they all uh, will go into the large object heap. And uh, well, uh, as you as you probably know, the uh, the problem there is that um, the, the way that uh, memory is recycled has to be different because with large objects you just can't shuffle them around. The whole point about managed memory um, is that. The application never knows the location of the object. Right. So that in um, the small object heap in generation two, it's great because you can shuffle stuff around in memory and you, should, you could just make all your objects contiguous. You just line them up and you have a pointer and you just put the objects uh, where that pointer is and it's, and it's dead fast. But in the large object heap, you you haven't got anything like that because you can't move the object. So, um, oh, I can't think of a good analogy for this, but it's it's it, well, it's like yeah, it's it's like going into a car park and um, you've got an, an an oversized vehicle that won't fit any in it in any of the slots, oh, even okay. though there are lots of spaces left. Yeah. Um, because you can't move any of the cars, sure. and you've got an SUV that is um, is is too wide to fit in most of the spaces. Yeah, um, and um, that's where a lot of the problems come um, with with um, garbage collection. It's 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 the, when the large object heat gets um, a number of large objects in it, and it starts to get difficult to. Uh, find space is that because it fragments you know like i I used to talk about this so i talked about those who remember disk defragmenters were a big thing of course it just happens in windows now but but when you are constantly allocating and deallocating memory on disk or in memory you have these spaces that like you say uh, are too small for large objects and therefore the the uh, memory needs to compact Things need to move around and be copied so that they're contiguous. That's and, right. Yeah. Well, you can do that with a small object heap, but um, not at the moment um, with, a, with a large object no, heap. It, 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 it seems it, it, silly it, it, because we have these hugely powerful PCs these days that could do that. And how much time are we talking about taking moving, a, let's say, a hundred... Even a even a hundred megabyte object in memory from one place to another, how much time could it possibly take? 
Uh, well, I think you're into that problem you mentioned originally. That uh, you, you know, if you're on, if you're on a workstation and you've got something that needs to sort of be animated smoothly, mm. and suddenly the garbage collector kicks in in the middle of it okay. and and uh, starts heaving large objects around, uh, then you've got a problem. Yeah, I see. Um, but um, the large object heap, it really does remind me of the old days of Malik and Free and the old uh, C programmers, mm. the, you know, the bad old unmanaged days. <laughs> You're in a really, a really similar sort of problem here. You know what? Back in the day, leaks were bigger, weren't they? You go to the supermarket, they're so <laughs> small these days, I've got to buy a dozen of them to make a pot of soup. Oh, oh! Don't get me going! Don't get me going! It's, it's the bad quality of compost. You know, you expect leeks to be big and nourishing, but you've got to feed them. <laughs> oh yeah, I get all those jokes. Yeah, Ricky leeks. Yeah, he's all right, but he's a bit green. You know. <laughs> and ever since the accident, he's always been a vegetable. <laughs> Oh, it's terrible. You know, oh. Ricky's in the soup. <laughs> uh, Ricky's turning over a new leaf. Nice. <laughs> he's, he's pot bound, poor Ricky. Yeah. Nah, he's planted himself and he's not going anywhere. Oh, my God. <laughs> he's gone to seed. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I've heard them all. <laughs> you can't tell me any new ones. <laughs> all right, so... And again, back in the day, we we were told, especially with like these system drawing objects, and this was before WPF, the the GDI objects, you know, such as you know primitives like lines and circles and all of these things, if and, and even colors and brushes and things like that. If we're going to create them, we have to dispose them. And then at some point, I think near .NET two o, Juval Lowy came on the show and said, "Don't, don't do that anymore. You don't have to." And I still, to this day, don't understand why he said that was uh, outdated and not uh, a good idea. Well, um, it's to get away from the idea that, um, you know, the the dispose has to be done explicitly. I mean, all all these things have to be properly disposed of, but... um, it really should be done without the programmer having having to think about it. And is the, it? The, mecha- the mechanism is there. I mean, once you're um, collecting objects, you can do all the all that sort of disposal gubbins as well. So the disposal, and I love the Brits, man. Gubbins, what a great word! I'm <laughs> <laughs> <And> the British <laughs> leak. <laughs> all that gubbins in there. <laughs> all right. Uh, so what you're saying is now, if we have an object that has a dispose method, shouldn't we wrap it in a using statement so that it will be automatically disposed when we're done, or do we not even care anymore? Oh, uh, no. If um, best, best practice is wrapping it, um, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's wrapping it up in a using. And, uh, yeah. And typically yeah. the reason for that, for things having a dispose method is because they have these unmanaged handles, but rather than letting them pile up and then having the finalizer having to call them, uh, which clogs up that end of life process, um, you can call them, you know, one at a time piecemeal as you're done with them. And then it's not a big impact on the system. Is that, am I right about that? Yeah, it it it's being able to do them in in background on another thread, so it's not yeah. actually hold, holding up the foreground process. Right, right. Yeah. So so really, things have really changed since those early days of of .NET, where we had to be all dispose conscious all the time. Yes, yes. Mm. Um, I mean, a managed system really should be able to um, manage, you know, when all these resources are disposed of. All right. Now, here's one for you. Let's say I've got a website, and I've got a, I don't know, uh, whether it's a data set proper or just a big collection of data, my own collection, and it's huge. It's got, like, I don't know, all of my content in memory because I want it to be fast and I want it to be available. But, like, once a day, it needs to update. And all of the content on the website comes out of that collection, 
I want to call GC Collect on that and still be able to uh, serve my pages and things like this. Are there any tricks to doing that? Or is that just a bad idea in general? Uh, yeah, calling GC Collect is a bad idea. We're always you wrong. You heard it right from the leak's mouth. Yeah, there you Absolutely, go. Absolutely, yes. Um, sometimes I wonder why they put uh, GC Collect in there, because um, using it explicitly um, is generally going to be uh, bad news. And it, it tends to get used in places like that where you've... Uh, your applica- in, your, in the design of your application, you've got yourself in, in a model, and you think that explicitly calling GC Collect is going to get you out of the model. Well, it isn't, you know, because uh, the garbage collector is clever enough to know when it needs to intervene and when it needs to um, clear up. Right. Uh, now, uh, the problem that, that a lot of applications get into, that they've got uh, the whole domain model, and they pull the whole lot into memory, and they try and do some sort of very complex process that uh, all in one hit uh, that's using all this domain model. Now, what have you got? You've got objects, all of which are referencing each other, and um, sort of uh, there's a huge uh, network of um, references between these objects. Now, the garbage collector... Uh, hits in, and it's got to work out what can be collected and what can't be collected. It doesn't know specifically that you're doing a uh, an end-of-day calculation or uh, an end-of-month report or something. It, it just needs, it, you know, it, it's just saying to itself, it's time to tidy up the lad's bedroom. And right. it, it's suddenly faced with this huge network of objects. Now, it's got, in order to find out what it can collect, it's got to walk every one of those references to find out those objects that no longer have live references and it can mark as being uh, cleared away. So uh, at, that, at that point, you have to sort of pause and say to yourself, do I actually need the whole lot? All at once in memory, mm. you know, is my process actually accessing all the data in the entire domain model? And the answer is generally, no, of course not. <laughs> no, it's only a small part that you actually need at one time. So you can quickly um, create those objects, and when, you, when you're done with them, uh, just they can be collected. It's a much better idea. All right. So, Carl. Yeah, Richard. You ever embed Excel into an application? Ugh. You know, that's right up there with sticking ice picks in my ears. Nice. Because your end users have to have the right version of Office and all that stuff. Yeah. And it has that extra layer of dependency. What I want is just a way to take all that Excel goodness and plop it right into my .NET application. Well, you reminded me of Farpoint Spread from the old days. Yeah, 20 years ago I used Farpoint Spread, but now, of course, it's Grape City Power Tools Spread. And now, you know, they have this version that's both for ASP.NET and for Windows Forms in one package. Nice. Yeah, it's two different controls, obviously, but it's in one package, so... You bought one, you bought the other. Right. Spread.NET from Grape City Power Tools. Smarter components for smarter developers. Let me jump back a little bit here, Ricky, and uh, and actually talk about knowing where your memory is going in the first place. Because it's certainly, for me as a guy doing web performance tuning, it's always an issue to actually figure out that we're struggling under session or we're struggling under caching. Uh, how do you instrument memory in a useful way? Well, uh, in order to do uh, net development, I would uh, use a profiler in order mm-hmm. to see what's, what's going on with memory. And uh, uh, also... Um, have a close look on what's happening in, on the small object heap and making sure that um, the proportion of objects in generation one, um, zero, one, and two are in the right proportion. Now, if you don't know what that is, do, the, do today's modern profilers give you any red flags? Do they do any kind of smart analysis and saying, hey, uh, there's too much going on here? Well, it's still a lot to do with the judgment of the programmer because um, in different types of application, the rules are going to be different. And Mm -hmm. also the uh, garbage collector is 
actually using heuristics at the time to uh, work out the best way of doing the collection. So it's a bit difficult to come up with golden rules about the proportion. You can say, generally speaking, that for every 100 objects in uh, Generation Zero, there should be around 10 in Generation 1 and just 1 in Generation 2. Right. But even that's going to be different for um, web applications or Silverlight applications or uh, web forms applications. Mm -hmm. And same with the size of things as well. Like there are plenty of apps where you're never going to get outside of the small object heap. That's all you're ever going to work in. If you're just working with regular variables and no big collections, you're just never going to hit it. And uh, the term, although I can't imagine you having memory management problems if you're living in the small object heap. Uh, you're not going to have um, memory problems if uh, everything's in the small object heap. It, it, yeah. I'd, I'd be very surprised if you ever hit uh, memory problems. Yeah, but when I see punishment, and of course I'm an ASP.NET guy, so that's where I usually see it. It's stuff in Gen two. It's session and it's big cache objects. Uh, that's right, and 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 also if you've got um, an object in Gen two um, that is referencing uh, younger objects in right. uh, in 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 Gen zero or Gen one, then again you're gonna you're gonna hit problems. Yeah, that, that to me screams red flag. When you have when yeah. you're hopping between the generations for a memory object of any kind, that's bad. Yes, you really you're really going to struggle uh, in dealing with that because you you impact the regular the routine garbage collection. Now that's right. The, the GC object has events that you can hook when it when it does collections right so you could do your own kind of logging just to to see how often it's happening right <clears throat> yeah you could grab it in perfmon it's just important right. to know stuff like the the rate that memory grows as you do initial allocation that's the thing that i've gotten when i'm dealing on the website people start up a cold server and they see uh, the first 15 minutes of running you're going to have a dozen garbage collections yeah, Be right. because you're, that collection process is actually the process of growing out the generations, making them bigger until you're consuming a reasonable amount of memory. Interesting. Yeah. Well, Ricky, you're here to promote a free ebook, I believe, for our listeners. Uh, well, yes, uh, indeed, <laughs> yes. Uh, the, the wisdom of Ricky Leakes is um, all enshrined in a, a, a free ebook. Um, called Under the Hood of .NET Memory Management, uh, which has been uh, written by two of my colleagues, that's uh, Chris Farrell and uh, Nick Harrison. I mean, as you can imagine, it's rather hard for a leak to actually sort of uh, reach the keyboard. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, but if you cut a leak right, you end up with fingers. <laughs> I've heard all these jokes. It's no good. <laughs> it's no good because you, you kind of, the other way you end up with rings, you can put them on the fingers. <laughs> so, so y yes, we've got. Um, uh, it, it's a very fine um, uh, free ebook. Uh, it's uh, full of full of advice and tips. Over over two hundred and twenty pages, full of um, interesting information. And you also have a blog post, the top five .NET memory management gotchas, which we have conveniently turned into a tiny URL, tiny URL slash Ricky Leaks gotchas, G-O-T-C-H-A-S. And uh, tell us what we can learn when we go here. Well, uh, I've just given you uh, my top five um, memory management tips. Uh, the first one being... Um, Memory leaks involving unmanaged resources. This is this is when uh, you're holding on to unintentionally, not realizing uh, that you're holding on to uh, an unmanaged resource because it's at the end of a whole lot of chain of object references. And um, for this, you really you can do it with out of profile, but really it's so much easier with with a memory profiler because you can actually um, see a map of all those objects with that unmanaged um, resource on the on the end there. Yeah. Uh, then the string concatenation in a loop. That's another uh, of, of the tips. You know, because mm. so often you see oh those. Um, um, 
spinning on a loop and adding um, characters to a string. And uh, uh, it's it's much better to use a, st- a string builder because that just creates one one object and just adds adds to the string within the object whereas uh, if you're spinning on a loop on a on a string uh, you're adding a huge number of short term objects um to the heap but uh, they're very quickly cleared away but it's just a bit of a sort of awkward way of doing it when you've got something like the string builder oh you've got oh yes resizing uh, lists um the list t um where I'm suggesting you uh, use an overloaded constructor that enables you to set an initial capacity, you know, so that you've got plenty to, of, of space to uh, add list mm-hmm. items. Mm-hmm. Oh, you've got unnecessary boxing, too. Uh, that's a fairly deep topic. But, um, yeah, there are easy ways of avoiding unnecessary boxing. Right. Value, uh, wrapping value types and object types. Yeah. Yes, because uh, uh, boxing, of course, uh, one, uh, um, once a, va- a value type is boxed, it's it's uh, taking up space on the heap, right. um, and it takes time too. Uh, large objects hanging off a delicate closure, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And finally, my of, co- of, of course, you know, my my the tip I'm uh, always like to. Um, I give, which is, don't guess what's eating up your memory. Use a profiler. <laughs> yeah. Work from the truth. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, this has been a great hour, Ricky, and it just goes to show you, you can take a leak to the ebook, but you can't make him read it. Uh, nice. I haven't heard that one. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. It's been great. Yeah. It's been great to talk to you. <laughs> All right. Watch out for those kitchen knives. Thanks. <laughs> and we'll, we'll see you next time on .NET Rocks. Hey, thanks for listening. And remember, PluralSight.com is where you can get 200 minutes of free video training by guests on .NET Rocks and other experts in the field. PluralSight.com. .NET Rocks is recorded and produced by Plop Productions, providing professional audio, audio mastering, video, post-production, and podcasting services. Online at www.pwop.com. .NET Rocks is a production of Franklin's Net, training developers to work smarter and offering custom on-site classes in Microsoft development technology with expert developers. Online at www.franklins.net. For more .NET Rocks episodes and to subscribe to the podcast feeds, go to our website at www.dotnetrocks.com. Got a transmitter band by the FCC. Yes, I'm a 